0: Um, You know Jesus is famous, right? Jesus, you know, through all history, all philosophy, all, uh, you know, uh, theology, religion, Jesus is famous. You stop somebody walking on the road and say, do you know Jesus? They would say, yeah, I've heard of Jesus, I know Jesus, yeah? But do you feel that sometimes we can just know him all too well, Taylor's version? (laughs) This is for my Gen Z (laughs) audience here. (laughs) But do you sometimes feel like we just know Jesus, I mean we are too familiar with Him, as if like we would be familiar with a movie star, you know, like a pop star. Do you know Brad Pitt? Yeah, I know Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know who he dates, I know the movies that he has done. (laughs) If you're a little creepy, you know where he eats lunch and (laughs) you know, so that is a type of knowing, but that's not really knowing the person. Right? Now, we are entering a season where we're going to have a lot of songs that are very familiar to us. We have foods that are very familiar. We, have, we, we recreate all of these memories from our childhood or just memories that we've made through the years. And sometimes in you know, all this family magic, what can happen is Jesus can become one of the decorations. He can become, um, you know, something that you're just familiar with, but you're not getting to know Him well, yeah? He is well-known, but the question is, do you know Him well, yeah? Do we know Him well? Um, We usually do this in worship, but I'm going to give it a go now. Who is Jesus to you? Can you reply just in one word? Who is, if I said, who is Jesus to you? Lord and Savior. Savior. Friend. Friend, loving Father. Healer. Deliverer. Deliverer. Yes. Savior. Savior. Sa- Savior. Savior. Sorry? Shelter. Shelter. Yeah, There are just these so many wonderful things. Shepherd. We, we are able to say this because we've had some experience with him, walking with him. Yeah. But uh, today we are beginning this new series j- just during this Advent season to remind ourselves of The Jesus, who is knowable, yeah? Jesus does make himself known to us. And uh, how do you distinguish between a movie star and a friend of yours? You know the lesser known facts about them. You know stuff that not everyone knows about them. You know their moods, you you know their thoughts sometimes. And we are gonna explore this lesser known Jesus. Okay, the Jesus who doesn't have, you know, just banners and posters, you know, Savior, Messiah, these are things that we know, but we're going to get to know those lesser known facts and details about Jesus. And um, I'm so excited to open up what I have uh, for you guys today, which is Jesus, the high priest, mediator, and advocate. We don't really think about this very often, but we're going to explore the high priest, the mediator, and the advocate, Jesus. So before we jump into it, let's... Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we want to know you well. And we want to say at the end of our lives that we know you as an intimate friend, a brother, and Lord. So Lord, would you come enlighten the the eyes of our understanding so that we can see you better, so that we can know you better. Lord Jesus, we love you. Would you anoint me so that the words that you have given me would come with power? I pray that you would just completely remove all distractions right now so that we can look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We welcome you here, Lord. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Now, the reason that I have clubbed all these three, you know, high priest, mediator, and advocate together, because all of them are talking about Jesus being an intermediary between God and man. Okay, we're going to look at how Jesus took the role and stood in the gap between God and man. Let's look at the high priest. In the Old Testament, the high priest was a person who was appointed from the tribe of Levi. Levites were not given any um, land per se, but they were asked to be for the dedication of the temple. Their job was dedicated to serve the Lord in the temple. And so a Levite would become the high priest. The first high priest was Aaron, yeah, and uh, this high priest, his job was to go into the Holy of Holies, where God's very presence was with man, dwelling with mankind, and he was supposed to, first of all, atone for his own sins by giving a sacrifice, and then he was supposed to atone for the sins of the entire nation of Israel. And so this would happen once a year, which was called as the Day of Atonement, when Jesus would, sorry, when the high priest would go through this curtain and he would present this sacrifice, this offering, and the blood of that would be sprinkled on something called as the mercy seat. Now we're going to look at a lot of verses from Hebrews because Hebrews explains this role of Jesus as a high priest and um, a mediator like no other book in the New Testament. And it starts like this. Hebrews starts with talking about an even greater king than a high priest, an even greater priesthood that was set up. Yeah? This happened because as this high priestly role started developing over time, it became a very political thing. The high priest became more of like a leader of the Jews uh, and you know a judge and adjudicator rather than someone who's representing the people of Israel in front of God. And so uh, Jesus comes into the scene and Hebrews starts with talking about this hierarchical structure. He's talking about angels and man. So angels are higher than uh, human beings for a a time, and then uh, human beings are lower than angels, and then there is God who is above everything, and Jesus broke rank, and he comes down in human form. So why did he do that? We'll pick up in Hebrews 2, verse 9 onwards. So because Jesus had to do this, he had, then uh, in verse 17, it goes on to say, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God. Now, this was stunning to me when I read this verse because it says, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that, what is the purpose of Jesus coming to the earth? Why, did, why was he supposed to be born in human form? Couldn't he have sorted it out all in, he, in the heaven? Why did Jesus have to step down to the earth? It's because, it says, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. That was the purpose of Jesus having to step down and live this human existence because it goes on to say, in order to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. So Jesus had to step down in the form of a human being. The miracle of Christmas is not a baby being born in a manger. Okay, The miracle of Christmas is that the Lord of glory, the Lord of all creation, sets aside his divinity and breaks rank and comes down in human form so that he can live like us, he can walk like us, yet being tempted in every way, yet without sin, and then give himself as a spotless offering to God. And then as a high priest, he enters into, you know, through the veil, through the curtain, he stands in, in front of the throne of God, and he offers himself as a sacrifice, as a propitiation. Now this word propitiation is very important. Somehow it didn't percolate down to our modern Christianese. We know hallelujah, but we don't know propitiation, okay? But propitiation is, it basically means to appease or to satisfy the wrath of God another word for it is conciliation. Yeah, this is where we get the word reconcile from. Yeah, God, uh, Jesus, the high priest reconciles us uh, from, you know, man to God. He reconciles man to God. But the nature of propitiation is that it does not procure the love of God or it doesn't make him a loving God. Have you heard this said that the, Old Testament God was an angry God and the New Testament God is a loving, gracious God. That's not not true at all because what propitiation does is it makes it consistent with the character of God to be loving towards us because a holy God cannot be loving towards a sinful man. And so what Jesus did is he took away the sin so that the love of the Father can come to us. Think about it this way. If you had a tap in your house and, you know, clean drinking water came from it. But there is some kind of a blockage in the pipe. So when you open the tap, what comes out? Nothing. Either dirty water or nothing at all, okay? And sometimes these taps also make some angry noises. Like I know the one (laughs) at Colin in Navasis, you open the tap and it goes (laughs) (laughs) you know, but um, we can look at God that way saying, hey, I'm not experiencing this love of God because I don't know, maybe you're in the consequences of your sin or whatever it is. But you can think that, hey, God must be not a loving God. But would you do the same thing with this water scenario and say, if the water is not coming out of your tap, you would think, I think, no, there's no more drinking water in the world. All the drinking water is over. No, you'd call a plumber to get it looked at, right? And that is what Jesus did. He, as a good plumber, came down, got into his knees, and he opened up the pipes, and he removed that kachra, and now the love of the Father, the mercy of the Father can flow to us. That is the role of a high priest. Yeah? Can we give him glory for that? Let's just praise him, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, how, how is Jesus different from the high priest that came before him? Let's look at that. Because Jesus is unique. He's called the chief high priest. Why is he different? How is he different from the high priest before? First of all, he didn't have to atone for his own sin. Yeah, Hebrews 4, 4, 15 says, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with us in our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Spotless lamb of God. Okay, he was absolutely without sin. So he, unlike the other high priests, didn't have to pay for his own sin. He didn't have to atone for his own sin. Secondly, He is merciful. What these high priests were doing, is they were were putting more of a yoke on people, saying you have to do this, you have to do this, you have to do that in order to attain the love of God. Whereas Jesus came and he showed mercy instead of judging them. Yeah, he showed mercy and he represented all kinds of people on the cross. He goes on to say, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they are doing. He's a merciful high priest. And thirdly, he is faithful. 1 Samuel 2.35, this is the promise of the Messiah. It says, And I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who shall do according to what is in my heart and in my mind. And several times in the New Testament, we hear Jesus saying, I only do what I see my father doing. And this is the fulfillment. Jesus is the fulfillment of this promise. He is faithful in all of God's household. And that is the faithful, merciful high priest that we have. That is Jesus so how do we respond to this role of Jesus as our high priest? We're gonna look at several letters statements from Hebrews. Hebrews has several letters statements in the entire book, but we're gonna look at a few of them as we come across them. The first letter statement that you'll find is in Hebrews 4:14 4, and 16. Hebrews 4:14 4, says, "'Since then, we have a great high priest "'who has passed through the heavens, "'Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast, uh, confession. The first thing, how do we respond to Jesus, the high priest? Let us hold fast our confession. It's like this. Uh, if you go driving on a highway, a completely dark highway in the night, okay, and there is a massive truck in front of you, what you do in order to not lose your way or something is you just go right behind that truck. Okay, so when you just follow along with Jesus without losing that connection, and it, you know, it's, it's a whole anxiety-ridden issue when you lose sight of the car or the truck that you're supposed to follow in front of you. Has that ever happened to you guys? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, especially if you're trying to follow Sundar, no, <laughs> no chance. <laughs> okay, but it says hold fast our confession. Don't let go of your confession that Jesus has paid for my sin, so I don't have to. Don't let go of your confession that he has made a way through the veil for me to enter into the presence of God. Don't let go of your confidence in what Jesus has done for you, for me, to enter into the presence of God. So that is number one. We hold fast our confession. And second thing is in verse 16, which says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may find, uh, receive mercy and find grace in help, uh, to help in time of need. We have this grace and mercy that is available to us, but we are called to enter into the presence of God. There is an onus on us so that we draw near to the throne of grace. In fact, in verses, uh, in chapter Hebrews 3 to 4, there are two times that it was mentioned that Jesus is our high priest, and these are almost like uh, quotation marks, okay? Because the entire passage in between talks about enter the rest. What does that mean? says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, but enter the rest of God. What it means is, stop striving to earn the love of God. Jesus has done it for you. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross, the veil, the physical veil of the temple tore in two from top to bottom. It was a symbolic, supernatural thing that happened, which signifies that we now have access. God broke out of the temple to come and live in us. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, so we can with full confidence enter the throne of grace. Amen. Now let's talk about Jesus, the mediator. How is that different from the high priest? The high priest makes a way for us to enter in while the mediator makes a place for us at the table. This is so important. Jesus is our mediator. In the New Testament, three times it says that Jesus is our mediator, the one and only mediator that we have. 1 Timothy 2.5 says, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. But why is Jesus the mediator? We see this in Hebrews 9.11 11 onwards. Hebrews 9.11 says, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. Now, because he did that, he didn't go into a physical temple, but he entered the heavenly temple and he went through the veil. He presented himself as an acceptable offering, took away the wrath of, man, uh, wrath of God towards man. And because he did all of this, in verse 15 it says, therefore he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are being called, those who are called. May receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. Have you experienced in your families or somebody that you know, etc., where siblings just fall out uh, with one another after somebody passes away, maybe you know the father or the mother passes away and leaves behind a will. It's like the whole will, I won't I situation. <laughs> but but it's when um somebody you know goes away passes away with a will the siblings tend to fight over it, I've seen it in my own family where it's just, it gets so messy uh, with with not able to understand what did this person who passed away want to do. And then there is this poor little chap called as the executor of the will, okay, who's supposed to make sense of what did this person want to do and who did he want to give the money to or the inheritance to and uh, wouldn't it be great if he could just go consult with the dead guy and come back and say, hey, actually he wanted, he told me he wanted to give you this much. But what happens in the case of Jesus is he's the one who died and more than that, who rose again. So he himself sits at the table and he apportions us the inheritance that is due to us. That is what a mediator does, okay? A mediator stands in between you know, Jesus as the mediator between God and man, and he makes sure that you receive the covenant promises. Let's read that once again, okay? Therefore, he's the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. And this is so different from the world religions because in the world religions, you have these mediators, these godmen, okay? Sadhus, gurus, what have you. And they will do everything to take away what you have from you. You know, give up non-veg if you want to be closer to God. Okay, <laughs> give up this if you want to be closer. Stop, you know, uh, stop sleeping. The, whatever it is, yeah? You stay awake. Don't eat anything. All of these. So they're putting a heavy burden on people who are coming to seek God. What does Jesus do instead? Jesus says, hey, you know this guilt and shame and, and um, you know, sin that you're struggling with? I dealt with it on the cross. So when you said that you believe in my sacrifice, you're saying that I'm signing a new covenant. You actually signed a new covenant the minute you said that I believe in Jesus. Romans, uh, I think it's 10, which says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him up from the dead, then you are saved. If you are saved then you have entered into a new covenant. And Jesus says, hey, you know what? Not only is your shame removed, is your guilt removed, is your sin removed, but on top of that, you have a blessing from the Father. You have a blessing, an inheritance that is due. You have the promised Holy Spirit who will reside within you, empowering you. And if you do the things that you can only do with the Holy Spirit, guess what? You get a reward for that. He comes to open up this freedom for us. He comes to, he's the perfect mediator. Jesus is the perfect elder brother who gave up all of his rights so that we can have access to the Father's blessing. As a mediator, he's not trying to put a heavier yoke and say, oh, that you can't go into that building, you can't do. In fact, he says, I am making a house for you. I am going before you so that I can prepare a place for you. That is the mediator that Jesus is. Isn't isn't he awesome? That is why Paul says there is one mediator. There is no other. There is nobody who can come in between God and us who can lead us to God except Jesus. Only Jesus can make a way for us. Only Jesus can make a place for us. And the third thing we'll talk about is Jesus the Advocate. Now this is my favorite. I I could just do a message on Jesus the advocate because when I first came to do law, like when I first started doing uh, law and I became a Christian, some people would ask, mm, how can you continue studying law as a Christian? This, this has happened, okay? Because lawyers are supposed to be very wily and don't they lie? Like I heard lawyers are liars. <laughs> how can you be a lawyer? So when I... Um, I, I had a dilemma about, you know, how, how do I see myself as a lawyer and a Christian? Like, how does this fit? And when I read this verse, I just had such a relief in my heart, which says, 1 John 2, 1. This is, my, de- my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Jesus Christ, the righteous advocate. He is righteous and he's an advocate. Wow, is that possible? Yes. <laughs> okay, there are two reasons why we would need an advocate. Firstly, because we sin. The craziest thing, when I started telling my family and friends that I'm pursuing law, the first thing that they would ask me, any guesses? When I, when I told somebody, like anybody, just randomly, I tell them, oh, I'm pursuing law. The first question would be, sorry? You, no, no, Law, yeah, they know I'm a lawyer, okay, so after that the, their first question would be, if I murder somebody, <laughs> can you get me out, <laughs> okay, uh, doesn't that, I mean, that, that's a lot of, uh, that's a very common question, right, you would ask lawyers, if I murder somebody, I'm like, how are you going to murder directly, yeah, if I murder somebody, you will, you'll be able to get me out, my family members, everyone would ask me this question. If there is no sin, there is no need for an advocate, right? If we don't sin, we don't need an advocate. It's fine. We are good. But the fact is that we are saints who are being sanctified. So all of us sin, yeah? So we need the help of an advocate. And second reason why we need an advocate is because we have an accuser. And this is very real, yeah? Revelation 12:10 says, The accuser of the brethren, of our brothers, has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. We have a real accuser. Now, if you sin, or if you, let's say if you stole something, but nobody saw you do it, did you actually sin? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Yes, but the thing with God is not only does He see everything; He's Himself a witness to everything. But all powers, principalities, everybody sees everything that we do. So it's not like there is, you know, the, the you can get away with stuff. So the minute. Satan sees that we've done something wrong, okay, that, that we have sinned. He rushes like a, a sibling tattling to his parents. He rushes to God and he says, you know what he did? We saw this in Job, right? Satan was just getting at, at uh, God saying, oh, this guy that you think is so righteous, this, that, and the other. He is an accuser. But shall I tell you the good news? In a criminal case, the accuser has no place before, God, before the judge, A a criminal case is basically between the judge or the the state, the government and the accused. The accuser actually is not a party to that discussion at all. If he wants, the judge can call on the accuser as a witness. But God's never gonna call uh, Satan as a witness because he knows he's a liar, he's a father of lies, right? So that is a part of the good news, that even though he's an accuser and he accuses us day and night before the throne of God. God will never call him up or give him any platform to accuse us from. He can't stand on the witness stand. He's not a party to that, um, you know, crime in that case. And the second thing is that when we think about an advocate, we generally think about, you know, what you must have seen in movies, where there's a judge, and then there are two parties, and one, uh, both of them have their advocates and both of them are fighting for the rights of their own clients, okay? So then you're like, oh, wait, what is the truth really? And it gets muddled up. But in the Jewish court, and this is what they probably were referring to in this context, what, is, what would happen is there is no role of an advocate at all. There is the judge, and then there is the accused, And the judge tries everything, calls for evidence and has a discussion. It's it's called as an inquisitorial uh, system where the judge asks these questions and uh, uh, the accused will answer the questions. He will examine the documents, evidences, etc. But if the judge sees that the, the accused is... You know, stuttering, not able to talk, not able to defend himself, he's very weak and he comes to the judge not knowing his rights or anything like that, the judge himself will step into the shoes of an advocate and he will say, you know what, uh, do you know that you have these rights? Do you know that you can ask for this defense? Do you know that you, can, you have this exception? And, the, and he steps into that advocate's role, and this makes so much sense in the context of Jesus, because the Bible says that Jesus is also a judge. It's not God the Father is higher in hierarchy, and then Jesus standing down, you know, is pleading with God. Jesus is the judge. Okay, God, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, they are one, and they are the judge, and Jesus, seeing the state that we arrive to God in, trembling, not knowing what to say, not know, you know, full of guilt and shame and all of that, when we come and, you know, if God says, did you do this? Did you do, do this, you know, commit this sin? And we're like, yes, God, I'm so sorry. What do I do? And Jesus says, hey, but did you know that when you said that you're a Christian and you signed that new covenant with me, this is covered. Your sin, covered. It is a defense. It is an acceptable defense in a court of law that you go and show the cross and your sins are removed in, in the eyes of God. And that is what Jesus the advocate does. Romans 8, to 34 makes this very clear. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. He is at the right. Did you notice where what the position of Jesus was here? He was not standing next to us and arguing. You say, you know, if the judge is sitting there, Jesus is not standing here and arguing in our defense. Jesus is up there. Jesus is judge. Jesus is king. Okay, we need to, uh, this really helps us to understand that scenario. He's at the right hand of God, interceding for us. He would turn around to the Father and say, hey, you know what, this guy, he, he believes in me. I know this guy. My, my sacrifice was enough for this sin. My sacrifice covered this. It's covered. It's taken care of. That is what Jesus does for us. So does that mean that we go on sinning? No, okay, Romans 6 is an entire passage that explains why we do not go on sinning. And one of the best examples of Jesus as an advocate on the earth, while he was on the earth in human form, was the example of the woman caught in adultery. These Pharisees and scribes wanted to trap Jesus, and they come with this woman caught in adultery, they come with stones to stone her because legally that is what she deserves. And Jesus, being the compassionate advocate that he is, he steps in and he writes something on the sand. We don't know what it is, but he asks the question, the one who has no sin, let them start stoning this woman. And from the oldest to the youngest, they all clear out the place because they realize that they are sinners as well. The only one who's righteous, the only one who has a right to Punisher, punish us, or punish that woman who was caught in adultery, was Jesus himself. And this is what he says. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus is our compassionate advocate, but he never condones sin, okay? Sin is still, you know, it, it's, it's still not okay. It still hurts the heart of God when we sin. We can no longer go on sinning because it's no longer our nature after we've encountered Christ. He changes us from the inside out. We, we are not sinners being saved. We are saints who are being sanctified. Hallelujah. Amen. So how do we respond to this? The high priest who makes a way, the mediator who makes a place, and the advocate who makes a case in our defense. How do we respond to him? And there are three letter statements that I want us to look at. Hebrews 10, 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Knowing that Jesus' sacrifice was sufficient, let us draw near to him. Now in this season, you might find yourselves very busy. Yeah, there are decorations to be done, sweets to be made, food to be cooked, all of this, all of this, and family to invite, and all of this going going on, and our Christmas carols event, in all of that, do not neglect coming close to Jesus. Do not, it says, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. His blood, his body, his sacrifice was sufficient for us to draw close to him. And he says that if we draw near to him, he draws near to us. So, can I urge you, encourage you this morning? Let us draw near to him. Let us spend time in his presence. No matter how busy and crazy your day might look, take some time out to just spend with Jesus. It would really enrich this season for you. It's not going to take away your precious time. The best time spent is at the feet of Jesus. So, let's do that. Secondly, Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. He's a faithful mediator, yeah? He wants to give us every part of our inheritance, so let's not blow it. Let's take hold of the entire confession that we make, that Jesus is Lord. This morning, if you're just looking in and you're, you're not in the place where you have confessed that Jesus is Lord, nobody else for me, I can't, that Jesus is the only way to the Father, then this is your opportunity. If you do not know Jesus as your own high priest, as your own mediator, as your own advocate, Get to know him that way today by confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And thirdly, and this is where I want to really, um, you know, stay for a little while, and this is, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let us consider, okay, this is... Last uh, week, Colin shared this message with us about enduring, and the way that we can really endure is, of course, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, but we also have one another. In this season, let's not lose touch with one another. In fact, let us make our bonds stronger. Let us stir up one another to love one another better, to love with a true heart, and to do good works. Now, whatever these good works might look like for you, let us be outward focused for this season, yeah? Because we can get a lo- caught up in just uh, us, my, me and my family, okay? Let's not get caught up in just that. Let's see how we can reach out to people. This is, you know, what Colin was encouraging us to do as well. Make new friends, call them to, you know, attend and come and join us in one of our, you know, whatever we are doing in this season, have parties or whatever it is, bring them in because we know the fate of the people who do not trust in Jesus. Without a high priest, there is no access to God. Okay, so let's, let's encourage one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together. Now church is not closed, okay? If we are meeting in gym groups, it doesn't mean there is no church. If we are meeting uh, in, during a weekday, you know, for prayer or for gym groups or, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't mean church is closed, okay? Church is not closed, guys. Church is open, where two or three are gathered, there he is, and where he is, church is going on, okay? So, we are going to continue to meet, and if you find that you know somebody in church that has been just missing out very regularly, it says, you know, um, sorry, where does it say? Not neglecting meeting together, as is the habit of some, okay? Let's break that habit, yeah? That is one way that we can stir one another up uh, to love and good works. Let's break the habits of saying no to meeting together. Let's meet together because that is for the edification of the body. That is for our own encouragement and strengthening. Just being, you know, even during worship today, just being in His presence, that sweet, tender presence of Jesus. Wasn't it wonderful? It, it, it just strengthens us so much. And finally, it says, encourage one another. Can I, can I just say... Let's be encouraging in this season. Let's write notes to one another. Let's, let's call out the gold in one another. Let's give ourselves to encouraging one another in this season. Make it a, you know, if you, if you want to buy something for somebody, make a budget for it. If you want to encourage them with words, do that. Yeah, However you want to encourage one another, do it. Because this passage ends by saying but we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. And that is my prayer for all of us, yeah? That we would not be those who shrink back, slow down, wind up, yeah? not We are not of those. We are actually those who will persevere. Because the very next uh, passage in this talks about, let us then run the race with endurance. So we need to be given to all the things that it says in, over here. Because we have confidence, because there is a high priest, a mediator, an advocate for us, we have confidence to draw near to him, to encourage one another, and to fulfill the good works that he has prepared for us from the foundation of the world. So as we start this Advent season, this is my encouragement to all of us that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, and obey Him. John 2, in that passage that talks about Jesus the Advocate, later on says that if you uh, say that you know Jesus, but you do not obey Him, you're a liar, okay? So basically it's saying if you wanna know Jesus better this season, then obey Him. And how can we do that? by I mean, the Bible helps us in that, okay? So let's, let's do that. And right now, I want to just invite the Holy Spirit to speak to each one of us and um, um, ask, ask him, what can I do to obey you? Today, this week, what can I do, Lord? Let him put something on your heart. You know, as I was just spending time with Jesus this week, he put some things in my heart to do. And that was even before I, I read these verses, but he's going to do that for you as well, yeah? There are good works for each one of us, and so let's ask him, what are we supposed to do in the light of this magnificent gospel? Holy Spirit, would you open up our eyes, Lord? Help us see. Help us see what the Father is doing so that we can do that. Help us see how we can be useful in society. How can, do you, how, how can we do your will here on earth, Lord? Help us to focus and not lose sight of the price for which you have taken hold of us, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, thank you, guys.